Hello, and welcome to Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivated individuals press on towards self-actualization, using a combination of old-school wisdom and new tactics to achieve this end. My name is Sim, and today we're going to be talking about the true art of self-discipline. So if you've been into any self-development or business literature or motivational stuff or pop culture self-help, you know, that kind of stuff, you'll see one thing that's mentioned over and over again in various forms. And that thing is, of course, self-discipline. In fact, I think it is impossible to separate personal development in whatever area or whatever fashion from self-discipline. Self-discipline is like salt to ocean water. So if you're an adult, you have some degree and knowledge of self-discipline. You may have first developed it or come across self-discipline when you were in school participating in sports, studying for tests, or even when you got your first job as a teen and you were required to be punctual to work or else you could be fired. So self-discipline is pretty common knowledge, and I think everyone has a baseline of knowing what it is. If you were to ask someone what self-discipline is, somebody will give you a definition in lickety-split, and some of them may be similar, and some of them will all, or all of them will be different. So everyone has an idea of what self-discipline is, but it's also very individual to every person, but it also revolves around a certain uh, key traits, what I'm about to talk about. So I always like to look at the deeper meaning of things and such, I will turn to the varying definitions of self-discipline, which again, everyone has a different definition, but they're all revolving around some key points. So if you were to ask me what self-discipline is, to sum it up pretty quickly, the ability to make yourself do things that you know should be done. And I think that's pretty simple, pretty pretty easy. Another definition, um, this time from thegreatdictionary.com, Self-discipline is defined as discipline and training oneself, usually for improvement. And used in a sentence, acquiring the habit of promptness requires self-discipline. So that's dictionary.com's definition. And I think the most telling definition of self-discipline comes from the very first definition on Google, when you just type in self-discipline definition or self-discipline. And I think they get this from the Oxford English Dictionary, but don't quote me on that. So Google's definition of self-discipline is the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses, also known as the ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite temptations to abandon it. The synonyms of this are self-control, self-mastery, restraint, willpower, persistence, determination, tenacity, and grit. All of these are basically the paragon and the shining light of humanity. So I think of self-discipline as two sides of the same coin. There's the push side of self-discipline, 
which involves striving and sometimes even struggling to set up routines, schedules, habits. Everyone knows about this because this is the part of self-discipline that looks admirable and sexy. I've written extensively about this, even making a three-part series on the push side of self-discipline. For, for God's sake, I even have a section on the site called Get Disciplined, which is pretty obvious if you go on there. But then you have the pull side of self-discipline, which I don't think is talked about a lot, but I'm going to be talking about here. And without this pull side, there is no self-discipline, I believe. Each needs both to create true self-discipline. So you can't have self-discipline without the push or the pull. You get a lopsided version of self-discipline. That's not even self-discipline at that point. So like I said before, self-discipline is a very fundamental thing. A person without it is completely lost. I would say it is impossible to live above the level of a beast without self-discipline. You know, there's very little that separates us from animals other than our potential. Our potential. Not the automatic use of, but our potential, right? And our potential to exercise some degree of self-discipline. And project forward in the future to ask, how will this action that I'm doing right now affect me five years from now? No other animal on the planet can do that other than us. That is our gift and our curse because... It is the burden of responsibility on us to say, to just project in the future. And that's just the responsibility of being a human being to weigh the consequences of your actions. And you can't say, oh, I didn't know because I'm a dog and I'm only acting on instinct and I'm only responding to puppy treats and owner commands. It's like, no, you have a prefrontal cortex that can visualize, plan, strategize, strategize, and you're not using it. So the burden is going to be on you for that. Um, but to give a little mental, mental model to this whole concept of discipline, I want you to think about it this way. Imagine that there is a shiny object X amount of yards from you. Uh, this X amount varies, okay? So this shiny object is very valuable and it just happens to be separated from you by a chasm of various yardage, like I said. And in order to cross this chasm, you'll need to build a bridge from scratch. Some chasms will require a small bridge to be crossed. Other chasms will need a massive, massive bridge to be crossed. And the act of self-discipline is the process of building that bridge across that chasm. In life, productively beneficial rewards are separated by a chasm of work and effort of varying degrees. So that's really the essence of self-discipline, mortgaging with time to create a beneficial result in some imagined future period, which will eventually become the present. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's talk a bit about the pole side of self-discipline. What I believe to be the pull side of the coin of self-discipline are activities and practices that close the gap between you and beneficial results in a passive way. Some examples of this are environment design, like removing bad food from the cupboard or the fridge so you don't eat it, 
automatically saving money and to some degree habits. But I think this mainly revolves around mindset because you're constructing a paradigm and a foundation for the obvious side of self-discipline to manifest itself. And like I mentioned in an audio blog way back when, your paradigm will dictate how far you can go in life. So that paradigm needs to be solid and it needs to accommodate the nuances in life and it needs to just accommodate you being able to stretch and achieve higher and lofty goals, which constructing self-discipline will definitely be able to help you to do. So these are things that will make it harder for you to do things that involve instant gratification, uh, also known as red herrings. If you didn't listen to that episode, go, go back and listen to it. Uh, so these make it hard to do those things and easier to do the things that move you towards a goal or some sort of ideal. So it's easy to realize that you need to make it easier to do things that make you look self-disciplined. This means making hard things easier. Again, this will involve creating habits and using them as a foundation or stepping stone to achieve higher levels in your life. A good example of this would be something like playing a musical instrument, something I'm very familiar with. So if you take the time to play every day for an hour, you are creating the foundation for you to actually operate at a mastery level. You don't become someone like Yo-Yo Ma or uh, Eddie Van Halen or um, Jimmy Page or anybody who's really good at a musical instrument without just establishing a foundation, a baseline for uh, practice. So without that foundation of every day for an hour, Mastery does not exist. Mastery cannot exist without that solid foundation. And of course, anything you do consistently over time becomes a habit. And that habit becomes something you do and someone you become in a sense. It becomes your identity, identity habits, which James Clear talks a lot about in his book, Atomic Habits, which if you haven't read, go ahead and pick that up uh, yesterday, right? So when someone says he's so self-disciplined, they're essentially saying that they create their life in such a way that things that are considered universally beneficial or productive become part of his worldview and a habitual part of who he is. That person may or may not be quote-unquote self-disciplined, but they've been able to consistently execute on what are considered high-value tasks. They fill up their day with um, what are known as impact hours. In uh, the book, The Wealthy Gardener, the guy named John Sofrick, I believe that's his name, talks about this uh, in detail. Um, and that's another good book to pick up. And it talks about uh, just being able to live a life of productivity. So to break it down, self-discipline necessarily doesn't have to involve flexing willpower. Uh, it could very well just be the only option when everything else is removed. So boredom becomes the boon. From that line of thinking, having a goal or target that motivates you, that pulls you towards it, can help you with self-discipline. As I've said numerous times, your goals inform the system of actions that you need to do every day. You can wake up at 6 in the morning, do push-ups, and read books. But what's after that? What are you working towards? 
what are you working towards? There's no reason to get up at six or do push-ups if there's no end, if there's no reward for that. So that needs to be noted. When you have a goal of just get up at six and write a manuscript for a book or go and work out uh, so you can build a better physique, uh, so you can eventually attain higher levels of health and energy, so you can be more effective throughout your day, then it gives that action meaning and purpose. You're not just waking up at six just to say, I wake up at six. That's why uh, when someone says, I need to get motivated or I need to get disciplined, I'd ask, what are you working towards? Why do you need to get motivated? Why do you need to get disciplined? And the result, the answer will just be some sort of intangible, uh, fuzzy, um, nebulous thing that they just say, you know, I just need to become a better person. Well, it doesn't matter if you're a better person. Like, why do you want to be a better person? Do you want to be a better person so you can impact the world? Do you want to be a better person in your job, in your family, in your community, um, in all these different things? Like, what are you, what is the end goal of all your actions? All your actions need to lead towards some end goal or you're just, uh, you're just doing them for no cause. So that's important to always have some sort of end destination. And again, you may not reach the goal, may never get there, like the goal of self-actualization. Maslow said that's the high point of human achievement, and most people will never get there, but it's still a goal to aim at. But if you don't have that goal, you're never going to aim at it, and you're never going to try pushing towards it. So that's why it's important to always make sure you're acting towards some sort of end point, end state. Another way to exercise the whole part of self-discipline would be to look at everything you do in a shining light of divinity. So view everything you do as something that can shift the universe in a certain direction towards good or towards bad. Giving actions this magnificent weight can seem like it's too much or too intimidating for some people. And to which, to that, I would say this could very well arise from a self-esteem problem. And if you believe that nothing you do matters, that gives you certain license to operate in any way, any which way in the world, which means something like personal development or self-discipline or arbitrary things people do um, or believe in uh, seem like just nebulous abstractions that they just believe in or do just because. And you can always say that if you live life from this perspective, you can say that something like being productive or achieving or striving towards success is just some sort of opinion. It's just some sort of thing that you don't have to do. It's just, uh, it's just a bore man. And Albert Einstein said that there's two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. And the other is as though everything is a miracle. And when you view everything as a miracle, every action you take suddenly becomes very radiant. And speaking of that, there's this book called uh, Liturgy of the Ordinary by this woman named Tish Harrison. And it's a look at the ordinary things in life from a Christian perspective. Uh, So from my perspective, it's basically imbuing everything you do with a purpose. When you're doing all these daily grinding mundane tasks like taking out the trash 
or filling up your dog's bowl with food or um, if you're at work staring at a computer screen feeling pressed down um, if you if you feel that these things are dull well you just need to look at them in the sparkling light of your life because they are part of your life and it's about seeing all these dull tasks as something special and something like even just waking up in the morning let's say you wake up early you're that 6 a.m riser everything is quiet and it's just you and your thoughts and uh if you're so inclined it's just you and god and your thoughts and you're able to connect to that larger uh, aspect of your divinity. And um, you're able to see the really fine print of your life. And you're able to see how your actions are building up as a cascade one by one to create your day. And when you say, I had a bad day or I had a good day, you see all these little actions that built up to create the structure of your day. And that's what self-discipline is from day to day, living second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, and then year by year. So that's why I feel you shouldn't only live for those peak experiences in life because you are least likely to find the answers that you truly need in those times. You don't just go from peak to peak. Life doesn't work like that at all. And I think, I think we've been sold this bill of goods to be told that life is just ups. Oh, that life is just a roller coaster and it's just fun, fun, fun. And if you're not having fun, if you're not feeling pleasure, then, you know, life is, life has to be a drag. And, you know, life is deep, deep valleys. And, peaks and everything in between life is not lived in a few minutes or a few hours or through a picture on a screen it's lived in 24 7 365 days a year and in those hours and days is a lot of bullshit that you have to go through that we all have to go through and your ability to handle that will determine the outcome of your life and your ability to, to stand up to that will determine whether you develop true self-discipline in your life. And if you can really orient your life towards something that's meaningful. And this mentality of everything has to be nice and fun and pleasurable and easy. And I think this is what stops a lot of people from developing true self-discipline, true grit, true persistence, because they always believe that life has to be some sort of pleasure or enjoyment. And, you know, no. I mean, to get to the good stuff, the really good stuff, um, not just the red herrings and not just the consolation prizes, there's a lot of pain and monotony, monotony involved. No one gets a free pass from this. And I've already talked about this before, so I won't get too, too deep into it. Um, but that's another part of the pull aspect, a major part of the pull aspect, looking forward to and celebrating the mundane. And it's just doing ordinary things in a extraordinary way and making every action you do shine with 
an otherworldly quality. And there was this guy who made this manual called Book of the Courtier. His name is Baldassare Castiglione. He was an Italian courtier. And he was talking about what you need to do to shine in the court of the king, to shine out as, to stand out as someone who's just looked upon as favorable. And he called this thing called sprezzatura as, or I'm, I'm butchering it, sprezzatura or something like that, as an otherworldly quality of effortlessness that makes everything just seem like it's effortless. And it's a godlike quality. So making hard things seem easy, making drudgery seem enjoyable. So bring sprezzatura to to your day uh, will definitely, definitely uh, help you in the long run. Another one is developing the mindset of doing what is required. And this mindset is one that sort of has to be developed. So at every moment, in some way, consciously or unconsciously, ask yourself, am I doing what is required of me in this moment in time? And when I say do as required, I mean required because it's going towards a goal that's important to you, you, not others. You don't want to spend your life chasing after someone else's goals. And you very well may be sitting down on the couch and watching TV, and that very well, very may well be what you should be doing at that point in time, just relaxing. But chances are, uh, and the chances are pretty high, that you are not doing what is required of you in that moment of time. You may very well have a pressing priority that needs your attention in that moment in time, but you're putting it off again. Uh, so for example, I don't particularly enjoy going to work. I don't think anyone truly does. However, I do it, and the millions of other people do it, because it is required. If you don't work, you don't eat. That's pretty simple. Uh, if I had millions in the bank and I no longer need to work, I would no longer work because it's not required. And that's like retirees. They don't work because it's not retired and uh, they don't work because it's not required. And this requires a type of discernment. And this is something that's built up over time after repeated exposure to different situations. It's the seed of wisdom. And I said the seed not wisdom itself. Wisdom is a completely different thing than just having the potential for wisdom. So everyone has the potential for wisdom and building that up. But the question is, are you going to plant that in the soil and let that flower up? Or are you just going to have the seed in your hand and do nothing with it? And that's a different, completely different question that is separate but also intertwined with its discussion of self-discipline. So fourth, and not at all least, it is coming to the conclusion and realization that everything in your life is there because of you on some level. So at some level, you have deemed it acceptable for that particular thing or situation to be there. Your current life is the accumulation of past choices you have made, right? You know, the accumulation of past choices that 
a past incarnation of you has made, right? You know, it, it it's not it's not magic. You didn't wake up one day as a Wall Street stockbroker or an amazing relation or in an amazing relationship. You don't just wake up one day as a as a damn neurosurgeon um, who has a thriving practice. You don't just wake up one day with uh, millions of dollars just hanging around. You don't just wake up one day um, as an acclaimed author. You know these things don't just happen. And as I talked about in the last episode, I didn't wake up knowing about a lot of different things. And I had to spend many hours learning about them, many laborious hours learning about them. And who I am today is the systematic endpoint of numerous causes and effects. And who you are today is the systematic endpoint of numerous causes. Some of them are even as old as time. Um, because causes become effects, which then in themselves become causes to other effects. And with this mindset, you start to see your life and life in general as a giant chain of cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect that ripples out and touches not only your lives, but the lives of others. So me making this and putting this out, I don't know who this is going to affect, which will then make a cause, which will then make another effect. Um, So you're seeing that you're living in a vast ocean of swirling change all because of some spark that somebody did. So when you start to realize this, you start to realize the mindset that I put forth of doing ordinary things in an extraordinary way. And I believe the grownups call this mindset uh, responsibility. So in my opinion, this is the core of self-discipline. When you take responsibility for things in your life, you become more pragmatic and action-oriented. When this pole part of self-discipline is seen as a statement, that statement is, how can I design my life to do what is required in an extraordinary way to help impact my life X amount of time from now? That's it. That's the pole side of self-discipline in one short phrase. And you may want to write that down. I don't know. It may just be another throwaway statement. But that is summing up what is the pole side of self-discipline. Lifestyle design in an extraordinary way to help push you towards something with momentum. So now you have the backside of self-discipline. You have the habits You have everything you need to start going out and executing starting right now. Will you get it on the first try? I don't know. Maybe not. But it's better than not trying. And of course, you have to try to make sure you fail. And in failing, you know that you never fail to try. So that's it for this one. And as always, resources will be in the notes. And until next time, stay disciplined.